Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had an amazing conversation this week with Justin Gibney. Justin is one of the founders of the AND Campaign, a gospel-centered movement that seeks to educate and organize Christians for faithful, civic, and cultural engagement. Justin is an attorney and political strategist in Atlanta, Georgia, having managed successful campaigns for elected officials and referendums related to transportation and infrastructure. He is the co-author of the recently released book, Compassion and Conviction, The AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. It's available from InterVarsity Press. Now, on this week's episode, Justin and I discuss how to approach politics and civic engagement in a healthy, God-honoring way. Justin shares a framework for considering political issues and why critiquing our personal political affiliations is an important practice for Christ followers. Justin shares a variety of timeless, biblically-grounded insights which are especially helpful during times of political elections. You'll want to share this episode with your leaders and colleagues, so be sure to pass the link to this episode on. Now let's dive into my conversation with Justin Gibney. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. And thanks for having me, Jason. This is um, a, a challenging year in so many ways. I mean, that's probably the understatement, right? And lots of different things going on in, in our society, in our world. And as we're thinking about uh, pastors, ministry leaders, as we're thinking about the church, um, there are those who follow Jesus, and, and many times they have conflicted feelings about politics and civic engagement. Uh, some avoid it altogether, right? We know that. And others dive in very, very deeply. And so, Justin, I was wondering if you could share with us a bit about how Christ followers can view civic engagement in a healthy and biblical way. That's a good question, because I, I do think there is a healthy way to go about it. And as you pointed out, there's some unhealthy ways, um, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, politics uh, impacts everything uh, in society. Uh, when we can go to church, as we see now, what's considered a crime, what our children learn in school. And so um, the good part about that, though, is that it presents Christians with an opportunity to have an, a positive impact on their neighbor. And so I think that one of the reasons that Christians should engage in politics in certain in a certain way is, is really because of the second half of the great commandment to love our neighbors like ourselves. Uh, if we would want justice for ourselves, we should want justice for our neighbors. Uh, if we would want, you know, our kids to go to a decent school, we should want that for our neighbors. If we, you know, wouldn't want someone in our family uh, to be f uh, unjustly imprisoned, then we should want that for our neighbors. And again, politics presents us with that opportunity to uh, act on the on the behalf of others through social action, and it's it's kind of that love and action. Yeah, that's, that's excellent, and and I, I think that that most would say, yeah, we we agree, Justin, that we are to love our neighbors. Um, it seems that sometimes the rub comes when uh, we're not really sure how to love our neighbors, and the kind of the political arena can sometimes confuse that, right? Um, one of the issues that many seem to wrestle with is this question of who is right and who is wrong. And, and Christians often look at a political issue and they may have differing opinions on that very same issue. 
And uh, one of the things that I love that uh, you and, and your co-writers in, in the book Compassion and Conviction, and even you know through the entire end campaign, one of the things that you uh, talk about and that you guys address is this biblical framework when it comes to politics and in trying to help uh, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, who are seeking to faithfully follow Christ, to understand how do we approach um, these political issues? Because that question of um, who's right, who's wrong, you know, there's some nuances within that, and yet there is this framework that that you guys talk about, that you share, that you teach, and uh, that that you share in, the, in your book. And so, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, this this framework? and how it relates to that question of, hey, who is right and who is wrong? Yeah, so I think, Chris, one of the main things we talk about in the book is that Christians have to frame the issues and frame politics in general for ourselves. And we think that the Bible does give us a framework for how to engage just in general. And, and we think that applies to politics uh, as well as culture and, 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 and personal interpersonal interactions. And so when we look at, you know, a lot of the problem that people have, and it's a, it's a good, it's good that people recognize this problem is that when they walk into the uh, public square, for some reason, there's kind of this divide or this, this false dichotomy between uh, compassion and conviction or, or, or between justice and, and moral order. Whereas if you, you know, if you are, if you care about social justice, then you'll be a progressive. Or if you care about more order, you'll be a conservative. That's not what we see in the gospel. We think that's a false dichotomy that that really brings about kind of a false dilemma for Christians. The gospel is about love and truth. It's about compassion and conviction. You see justice, but you also see more order. And so what the AND campaign is about is literally bringing those two things together instead of joining kind of in an ideological tribe or too closely with the party to where we're, we're splitting those apart. And once we apply and once we look at issues through a lens of compassion and conviction, I think it brings uh, Christians closer together on a lot of issues. But as you mentioned, it's a framework. So the Bible doesn't talk about every single issue. So it's OK sometimes that we may disagree on issues. You and my, you and I may disagree on the marginal tax rate. I think that's OK. But as long as we're seeking you know, to, do, to be faithful and we're using that more general framework to say, hey, how do I care about people and show love? But how do I also understand that we have a God of order and there is a design of, of how things should go? Uh, when we try, when we combine those two things, I think we get some clarity and we avoid some of the false uh, questions that are presented by, you know, either the left or the right. Yeah, yeah, I love that, Justin. And and I would have to say, though, that 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 takes some work, right, <laughs> because um, that, that means we have to dig in. That means we have to to understand scripture um, and that we have to understand the you know the politics and the issues around us we have to understand what's going on in the public square and it seems that without you know trying to be too critical it seems that a lot of people kind of default to um kind of lazier methods of approaching politics um you know and and even couching it in you know an under a, a christian a worldview or, or perspective or understanding and so i love the framework you talk about in and I mean, that chapter alone in the book is, I I've personally felt was worth its weight in gold uh, because it lays it out, you know, in, in a simple way, but it does take uh, more effort for us to process through that and for us to evaluate these issues in that biblical framework and for us to, to 
give the um, permission or the space for uh, two brothers in Christ to, within that framework, maybe not see things, you know, eye to eye. We may not, like you said, completely agree. So talk to us a little bit about this this idea of kind of the work that it takes as opposed to, you know, a, a kind of a almost, again, I don't mean to be critical, but almost a lazy approach to these political issues as a Christ follower. Yeah, one of the easiest ways to go about politics is just kind of falling in with your uh, quote unquote ideological tribe. Uh, a lot of Christians, including myself at one time, have allowed their political affiliation to become religious in nature. They've kind of conflated some of the things that are really ideology and 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 kind of act like they're they, they're coming from a the, you know a theological perspective, and that's just not the case. So I think we have to be very honest. And one thing that I tell people to do is you should be able to sit back, whether you are Republican, a Democratic, conservative, progressive, and you should be able to list six things, six serious things that your side gets wrong. And what that exercise allows you to do is allows you to separate yourself from your party or your ideological tribe and critique them. Um, and if you can't do that, I tell people, if you can't list kind of the things, man, we, we need to do better on this or we get we get it wrong on this issue, then there's a chance you're indoctrinated. And that's what we're trying to avoid, indoctrination. We want to make sure that Christians can be in a political party. We don't see a problem with that. There's a practical aspects to that. But we don't want the party to be part of your identity, uh, because what a lot of times what partisan leaders do is once they can make the party part of your identity, you just go along with, with what they say, because it's an identity issue rather than stepping back and be, being able to critique your side of the issue. We're all great at critiquing the other side, but I think we struggle to, cre- to critique our own side. But but everything that comes out of our party, the platform and all these things must be run through biblical scrutiny. And that's what the and campaign in our book is trying to help people do. Yeah, yeah, that's good, because obviously not any one political, you know, campaign party platform is going to get every issue perfectly aligned with um, the heart of Christ. I mean, that, that would be, be an impossibility, right? So um, so the willingness for us to, to step back, and as you said, and I love that exercise, you know, actually literally take the time to make a list of things that, you know, whatever affiliation you have, you know, is not getting right when it lines up to Jesus, I think is important. I guess the question that I have, and I know this is what Ann Campaign's trying to do, uh, but it seems like a big challenge because so many people seem so quickly just to kind of fall into like what, what you described, that indoctrination, right? Like they've just, they're, they're lined this way. This is kind of the circles that they run in. This is what, you know, they've, they've seen, uh, you know, as a child growing up or whatever it might be. This is just kind of the language, um, you know, in their, in their tribe, whether that's, you know, a geographic area that they're raised in, whatever that might look like. So how... How can pastors and ministry leaders specifically, um, those listening today, how can they help um, the people who God has entrusted to them, the people they're leading, to really kind of pull back and and do this kind of critical, you know, analysis and not just fall into this idea of of just accepting all these blind spots um, and not taking the time to do that? Yeah, as you know, we have some great exercises in the book. I mean, the the book is really Bible study friendly. It was meant to be a resource to the church. Uh, And so I think that the book will be helpful with that. But just in general, 
Um, I think you really have to put it in perspective and you have to break down what it means to be about love and truth. In Ephesians 4.15, uh, Paul tells the churches at Church of Ephesus that regardless of what's going on, regardless of what false teachings are there and everything else, a mature Christian is able to speak the truth in love. And I think one thing that leaders can do is apply what truth and love look like in the public square. What does that mean? Right. When we talk about love, that's that compassion. How do we show love? And if we go to first John three, it tells us that love is more than just a sentiment. Right. Love is 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 often an action. It's through our deeds, especially when we know somebody is in need and it's within our sphere of influence to do something. How can we apply that type of active love to the conversation? And we, when we talk about truth, a lot of times we're talking about uh, doctrine. What is true? What has the Bible told us that's true? What are some things that even if we don't like it, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter because that's what God said is already good. I think something today in kind of modern times, especially on the progressive side of the conversation, we're made to feel like we can improve everything. But the truth is that God has has made some things good and that the more we play with them, we actually make them worse. And, and I put it this way. You can think of it almost like a Picasso. Right. You can't really go up to a Picasso, no matter how good of an artist you are and improve a Picasso. <laughs> you can only deface a Picasso. Right. Because anything you add to it or take away from it is making it worse. Right. And that's God's truth. And so sometimes we feel like we're doing someone a solid if we hide the truth for them or, or don't say something because we think it might hurt them. That's not how Jesus dealt with it. If we if we speak the truth in love and apply that to what we do in the public square, I think we end up with a lot more faithful witness to your point that that takes some time. It takes some digging in the Bible, but we should be happy to do that. We should be hungering for that kind of learning. And, and that's what we're trying to encourage. Amen. That's good. It's a good word. Uh, let, let's um, as we're talking to pastors, it's one thing to talk about how can we help those people that we're leading. But there's another issue that that we see we see this all across our country specifically and um all you have to do is jump on facebook or some other social <laughs> platform to see this and and that is that uh, many ministers themselves pastors themselves um are operating with blind spots what um what what would you say to pastors as you're speaking to them um to help them not to you know continue to to push political agenda above you know the biblical understanding of what it means to honor god in the midst of you know living out our faith and loving our neighbor so those who get really dialed into maybe one political party or the other and it happens on both sides we know this right um how, how can how can the pastors um be more careful or more cautious and where some things that they can do in regard to that yeah, I think f folks have to remember that when you are bringing things that are more ideological and more kind of partisan into a conversation into the church, um, you're bringing more than just that one issue that you're talking about. And I think we fail to see. I mean, I'll say this very clearly. You know, when you look at conservatism or progressivism as an ideology and you take them to their logical conclusions, they become absurd. And mm -hmm. so I think uh, pastors have to be really clear and put things into perspective because the beauty of it is you don't really need that ideology to talk about the issues. You can talk about it in a biblical way and not have to worry about all the things that may come out of it that you may have planted a seed that go somewhere else. But if you look at the Bible and you talk of it in, in terms of that framework that we've been talking about, you don't really need the ideology or the partisanship to come in there because what you're going to be talking about is much more pure. 
And I think we have to keep in mind that even though we get really up in arms and, and you know, a lot of, the, you know, these are serious issues. Some of these issues that we're talking about politically are life and death issues, right? Are, are people going to eat? Are they going to starve? Are babies going to give a chance to live? Or are they not? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're worth being um, uh, concerned about and, and even passionate about. But we still have to understand as Christians that as, as important as politics is, it's not an ultimate thing. And we have to keep that in perspective because if we can't have that perspective, how do we expect the world to have that perspective? That does not stop us from being passionate, determined, uh, determined, but it does it does make us sit back and say, hey, we have a witness that's very important here. And, and what I say all the time is our witness has to be more important than winning uh, an election or an ideological debate. We have to show people what it means to be like Jesus and when in conflict, we have to be about the witness. Now, I'm a I'm a political strategist, so I never uh, try to lose. But I do understand that there's something more important than winning in that moment, because my witness is going to carry on way longer than whatever win I'm fighting for is going to be around. Yeah, that's good. And it's good to hear from you, Justin, uh, because you are a political strategist. And it's funny because um, so many people who really aren't deeply involved in politics um, they cling to their opinions and, and, you know, they want to win so badly. It's not even their, you know, their job necessarily um, to win in politics. And uh, I think it's it's great for us to kind of temper that and understand that, you know, winning isn't, you know, the political win is not the ultimate, as you've said. You know, it's, it's honoring God. It's living out the Christ mission. Um, to love our neighbors and to to make disciples, and the gospel is is always got to be first and foremost. Uh, one of the things that that you guys discuss, the and campaign also re- really makes you know just kind of puts in front of people, and I, and I love this is this idea that politics is very much. I mean, from a from a biblical perspective, politics should be approached by looking not necessarily to ourselves but to others. Um, can you talk to us a little bit? Because I, I, that's one of the things that I've loved seeing through uh, the Anne campaign, reading in this book, was this idea, because it really flips it on its head from a lot of political rhetoric that we hear, is this idea that um, as Christ followers, when we look at political issues, we need to be looking at political issues with others in mind, not necessarily ourselves. So kind of walk us through that. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. I think there is a somewhat fair you know, uh, criticism of Christians sometimes in politics that we're really about ourselves, that we're about protecting ourselves uh, and what I've called Christian self-interest, right? Making sure that we're protected and that, you know, we have this ironclad protection against everything that anything that might come against us. And and nothing's wrong with protecting yourself. But is that our priority? Right. When we read the, you know, when we read the great commandment, when we read through the gospel, can we say that putting our uh, interests first is what we should do? I would believe that, you know, on that day when we see our maker, he's not going to commend us for how much we protected ourselves, but for what we did for our neighbor. And so we have to keep that in mind as we go into the conversation. We should really walk into politics with a focus on defending human dignity, making sure that that people are treated fairly in our courts, making sure that the, the poor are treated fairly. I mean, people should see that before they see anything in our in our and even the, the unborn. I mean, making sure that they're taken care of. I think that's right. Um, but it's also about human flourishing. Right. How can we make sure that people uh, um, are, are put in a position where they can thrive? That should really be our focus. Now, that doesn't exclude us from caring about religious freedom. I talk about that all the time and it's very important. 
But it also makes us realize that's not just for Christians. It's for others, too. And and it just changes our 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 our, fr- our state of mind. Right. Because it's harder to go into politics as mad and as mean as we do sometimes when we're saying, you know what? I've got to love others. I have a witness that I have to put out there. And ultimately, I'm glorifying God. It's not really about me today. It's a it's a it's the bigger picture. Yeah, that's good. I love that because it's not always about um, winning winning an issue in such a way that it it benefits me, you know. And and so often these conversations are around what is my benefit, and that's that. Those are the issues we get behind. Oftentimes, those are the candidates that we support. You know, those are the conversations that we are loudest in. You know, if it's something that's going to benefit me. And the reality is when we look at Christ, as you said, you know, it's this idea of, hey, let's look at, we, we need to look at others. How do we love others? How do we uh, protect others? How do we demonstrate compassion towards others? How do we fight um, fight for justice for others? And, and, and those those types of things. So very, very important. I love I love that perspective. And it, it kind of helps us process a little bit better, I think, um, or it should help us process these different political issues um, because it, it lets us um, step away a little bit from them, right? Um, we're, not, we're not the center of the issue suddenly. Now we're looking across and saying, okay, how does this impact other people? And, and that um, opens up, I think, uh, doors for us to, to have civil conversations about uh, different things that are going on and different issues. And so I, I think that's super healthy. Uh, one of the things that, that you guys touch on is the idea of justice. And, and I, I think you guys um, really frame it well as far as biblical justice. One of the questions that, that I have in regard to justice is that people oftentimes will define justice differently. And um, if, if people say, hey, yes, we want justice, um, sometimes justice for them is actually causing harm to someone else or someone that they don't agree with or someone who they might see as their enemy. So can you talk to us a little bit about how in the world of politics, whenever um, we're talking about justice, what does that really mean from a biblical perspective? Yeah, I think when we talk about justice, we first have to talk about the Imago Dei, uh, that people are are created in the image of God and get, and that gives them a, a, a worth, a value. Whether I like them or not, whether they're kind to me or not, they have a certain value that cannot be taken away. It has to start with that that kind of human dignity. And I think what human dignity does, based on the Imago Dei, is it says that there's a certain standard by which I must treat this person uh, because they are are made in the image of God. And I think that's where uh, justice starts. Biblical justice is saying there is a certain limit, there is a certain... uh, um, expectation or standard that I have to meet when I'm when I'm treating other people when I'm um, uh, interacting with certain people. So let's apply it to uh, kind of criminal justice, right? That means that if somebody you know steals something, I'm not going to give them this outrageous you know uh, time period in jail when it just doesn't fit the crime, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be proportional. We have to make sure that. Uh, we're, we're not putting people in jail for longer than they should be in jail. And that's something we have to always be looking at because we're in a broken world and we don't always get it right. So it's not something you put in place and then you say, hey, I'll just leave everyone to their own devices. It's something we should constant, constantly be looking at. Um, these are the type of things that we need to think about as Christians when we're talking about justice. To your point, there are a lot of distorted versions of justice. And I think sometimes, especially more conservative Christians, uh, ideologically conservative Christians, 
uh, see those distorted versions of justice and sometimes run away from justice altogether. Right. Mm -hmm. To say, man, I know I know I don't want to make that mistake. And so I'm not really going to deal with this justice conversation. I think that's the wrong way to deal with it. I think the best thing to do when you see a distorted version of justice and I think some of the progressive um, versions of justice are bad. Um, but when you see that, I think the best thing to do is give an example of how justice should be done right is to say, hey, I'm not going to run away from this because you did it wrong. We understand that the world distorts and and, and uh, kind of messes with everything. I'm going to show you a true version of biblical justice and it can be applied to uh, several different things. But I think it, it makes sense if we when we apply it to that criminal justice situation to see people need to be treated fairly. They shouldn't get more time because they have less money, things of that nature. Yeah, that's good. No, that, that I think that's really helpful. Um, one of the things also that you, that you touch on, you speak on, you write about a lot is um, the idea of how we can um, engage and even partner with people that may not completely align with all of our values or ideals, right? And, um, and that and, and this is a big discussion right now, you know, in, in our current current world um, about aligning with organizations or movements that may not align 100% with a Christian perspective or worldview, but there are some things in there that we can kind of come together on and press forward on. And so can you talk to us a bit about this idea of because some people shy away from this, right? We know this, Justin. Some people shy away from, you know, they're like, hey, if if they do not, um, you know, if they're unbelievers, for example, then how can we ever partner with them on, on anything? So um, share th with us a little bit about what that looks like when it comes to um, partnering with unbelievers. Um, is is that a, a potentially a good thing? Are there things we should be cautious of? Yeah. Um, and it really, you know, our conversation really starts with Francis Schaeffer, who, who talked about the concept of co-belligerence, the idea that we could partner with others in society who are non-believers to do a limited number of things. But it's a limited partnership. Right. It's not something that we say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to go every you know, we're going to do all this together. And I, I think that's right, because if we look throughout history, you can take abolition. Right. Many of the abolitionists were Christians. But they also teamed up with some folks who weren't Christians, right, to, to, to get the job done. And, and we know because of common grace, folks who are non-believers can still do do good things, right? They can still have, have good works. What we have to understand is there's a limit. And one of the things that Christians often run into is, is when we get excited about an issue, we can kind of jump to whatever organization is speaking to it in the way that we like that matches our narrative and miss the fact that if we follow them too far, we haven't. Uh, define the limits of that partnership, then we actually go into a territory that's unbiblical. And I think when it comes to the conversation about justice, uh, especially in today, Christians have to be very careful about that. Just because someone has a good cause uh, on the surface doesn't mean that you can follow their cause to its logical conclusion or there aren't some things that you have to question or actually avoid. And I think you have to be vocal about that. But again, that's why I think it's best for Christians to approach that as a group uh, when they can, uh, because it's much easier to do uh, than it is for one individual who's entering a group. Uh, but Christians certainly have to be, we can we can uh, partner with people, but it has to be a limited partnership where we define the objective and we know where our differences lie. You got to know who you're, you're partnering with, and we always don't do that homework. Yeah, that's good. So, so what about, um, so if you understand that you're cautious with that, um, but at the same time, you're aligning yourself or partnering with someone on a particular issue, 
and others are looking from the outside and they're saying, hey, um, that particular partner, this is, you know, they're the leaders of that organization uh, have this and this and this against them, or they also, you know, are believe in this particular issue, you know, so, so people are pointing out these, these differences that don't align with, um, with a biblical worldview. How, how would you kind of process through that and, and speak to those people who are kind of calling that out? I have to affirm if, if what they're saying is right, right? So if I'm, if I'm uh, kind of partnering with a group that, you know, does not have a, a biblical view of sexuality or does not have a biblical view when it comes to abortion or, you know, other things, I have to be clear about that. That's not something I should hide. That's not something I should run away from because I, I lose credibility when I do that. And I should lose credibility when I do that. If I'm telling Christians that, hey, it's OK to work with this group, then I have to be I have to be honest about where those limits are. And I think that's really tough because one of the things that we do, because we're trying to convince Christians to care about other things, we try to act like the groups that we're aligning with are perfect and there's no need to worry. And I see this so much on on social media. That's not the way to go about it. The way to go about it is say, hey, we're working on this, this and this. I'm with them. We're going the right way on this. I do have some other issues and here are those issues, but I'm focused on this primary objective. I think when Christians hear you say that there are some, you know, there are some issues that that some differences that that matter that are substantive. I think you gain credibility and people know, okay, at least they're addressing it instead of running away and acting like everything's okay. Yeah, that's good. And I think not only do you gain that gain that credibility, Justin, but also you kind of take the rocks out of their hands, right? So, right. you know, if, if they're looking at, you know, coming at you over some stuff and 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 this is what we see a lot. You know, they they dismiss suddenly they dismiss everything about you. It's kind of that cancel culture. They dismiss everything about you because you happen to agree with this particular group on this one issue. And whenever you do exactly what you said, Justin, you kind of address and say, hey, these these things I don't agree with. But here we find this common ground on this. And I think it's important to talk about that. You kind of avoid that idea of them just dismissing you altogether. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And I think one of the best uh, and we talk about these two things together. One of the best examples is our political parties. I mean, there are Christians who will defend their political parties all day and not acknowledge the issues like we talked about before. And so I think that throws other people off. I think you lose credibility. And when you admit some of these things because your identity, again, we're going to bring this all together because your identity is not in the party. I think it's just a more faithful response. You can't control how the critics are going to respond to it. But I think within yourself, it's more faithful. And especially for folks who are leaders, right. it lets the people who are kind of listening to you and who you're influencing know, oh, I do have to watch out. There's too many influencers out here today that have gone all in with some of these secular groups without giving any kind of warnings to the people they're influencing. And I always hate to see that. Yeah, that's good. That's good, Justin. Uh, Justin, as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation, uh, you, have, you have the ears of, of pastors and ministry leaders uh, across the country. Um, what, what words would you like to, to leave with them, to share with them that might help them, especially as we're you know, navigating these next months and moving into an election year here in the U.S.? Yeah, sure. I, I, I would just say this, uh, that you're not alone. I've gone all over the country and found folks who are trying to do politics more faithfully. Nobody knows everything. So don't feel like you have to know everything. But there are some good resources and good speakers and things of that nature who you can bring in to either talk to or to speak to your church that it kind of takes it off your plate, so to speak, because that can be hard. And so there's people that you can reach out to, whether it's somebody like uh, Dr. Charlie Dates, uh, Dr. Esau McCauley, 
Uh, there's so many uh, Lisa Fields. There's so many great speakers who can talk about these political issues in a way that is biblical. And so you don't have to worry about them getting overly partisan, but it also helps you through it. So I would just say, let your, you know, let your congregation and whoever you're leading know that, the, you know, politics is never worth losing a brother or sister. And so if we can move forward with that understanding, I think people are in a, in a better place. And as much as you can give them perspective and a framework without telling them exactly what to do all the time, I think the better off you'll be. Yeah, it's a good word. I love that, Justin. Excellent, brother. Can you tell us, um, for those listening in, if they want to learn more about the Ann campaign, if they want to learn more about your book, and again, I highly recommend it. I love the exercises in the back of every chapter. As you mentioned, this is something you can go through with uh, small groups in your church, um, really have good discussions, get kind of a biblical grounding on how to discuss and talk and, and navigate um, you know, political issues and civic engagement. But the book is entitled Compassion and Conviction. The And Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. So, Justin, where can people kind of connect with these resources and learn more about the And Campaign? Sure. You can go to andcampaign.org. That's A-N-D uh, campaign.org if you want to learn more about the organization. Or you can go on social media, uh, on Twitter or Instagram, at A-N-D campaign. Uh, to just get some of our content. We're always putting out content. And I think those are probably the best ways to connect to us. If you're interested in, in learning more about us and, and, and want to actually have a conversation, uh, you can email us at engage at andcampaign.org. Excellent, brother. And we will have links to to all that in the show notes for our listeners and also a link to the book. Really encourage you guys to to check it out. So, Justin, thank you for making time to be with us. Thank you for the, the incredible work that you and your colleagues at the Ann Campaign are doing. Um, it's much needed work in, in a, a world that's no secret. You know, we, we jump online or we turn on the news and there's tons of division. Um, and, and as the church, we need to um, kind of embrace that unity and, and, and lock arms together and uh, find our strength in Christ as we, as we seek to really, as, as you said, gain the credibility um, from those who are on the outside looking in. You know, you talk about our witness so much. You write about that in the book, and I know that's a big part of the AN campaign is our witness as followers of Jesus. So thank you for making that, um, you know, just bringing that to light and the importance of that in, in these uh, challenging times. Jason, thanks for lending an ear. We appreciate you. Hope to collaborate sometime. Excellent. God bless you, my friend. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out Faith Play. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.